Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Rod Ross. Rod is the head coach of Team USA and the director of the International Training Center down in Arlington, Texas. Coach Ross, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I want to appreciate. I greatly appreciate you inviting me. All right. Well, Coach Ross, we talked to numerous collegiate players and coaches throughout the years since we've been doing these shows. And my question to you is, how has college bowling changed over the years and helped you when it comes to you getting the players that ultimately make Team USA? How have they improved through the years? Or what have you seen and what are some things that you noticed? Oh, it's 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 greatly improved over especially the last decade. Uh, the college programs have, are getting much better due to the competition within the college bowling. Uh, the ability of the players and the knowledge and experience of coaches has greatly improved. And even on the women's side, that's probably where we've seen the most improvement. Uh, NCAA become a very strong, very dominant force in collegiate bowling. And Team USA has definitely been a benefactor of those programs. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, you mentioned, you know, like with Team USA, too, uh, you've got uh, – there was a recent announcement with Bill Bill Spikner as far as in some type of an assistant coach capacity there for the – for the team. We'll talk about that just a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, Bill, uh, Bill, we, we expanded the team USA coaching staff a little over two years ago, just under three years ago. And we, a lot of coaches apply, went through kind of a, a very intense interview process to try to bring on the next generation or the next batch of coaches for a long time. It was just myself or prior to that, it was just myself and Kim Kearney. And so we added uh, some coaches onto it. So we have assistant coaches uh, like Mark Baker, Andy Dirks, Kelly Kulik, Mike Shady, Bill, and Del Warren. And it was kind of funny that that went out on social media recently is that that Bill finally updated his Facebook page just saying what he was doing. And it started a whole thing about he's he's now an assistant coach for Team USA. So – He's been he's been here going. He's on his third year working for us. Amazing what Facebook could do just a post like that, you know, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of a sudden. So it's amazing that it uh, it just been under the radar all this time. Everyone thought he got a new job. I think he posted that his his new positions, you know, because they congratulated him on the sponsorships of the ball companies and the grip companies he worked with as well. Coach Ross, quite the who's who of coaches you mentioned there. Now, how are you guys all able to work together? Because every coach has different terminology just a little bit, and even their coaching styles are just a little bit different. How are you able to work with the team and then the assistant coaches? Well, that was one of the, the key components when we had our very first coaches camps. That We wanted to make sure that we were talking the same language, using the same verbatim, uh, same slang, so to speak. And it was very interesting when you get that level or elite coaches into a room, there's there's more consensus than there is anything that's going to be a little different. I mean, there might be a little different jargon West Coast versus East Coast, but at that level, bowling's pretty well bowling, and they're they're pretty knowledgeable about it. Now, you know, one of the things that comes up with coaching, you know, and I know there's, you know, we've had a lot of coaches on here um, on this podcast 
Um, and it always is a little bit interesting to get uh, different coaches' perspectives on two-handed bowling and what either similarities or differences there are between one-handed and two-handed bowling. What's your take on that? Well, uh, yeah, I've been a, a, a strong uh, – I, I, I'm very much in favor of the two-handed bowling since we were exposed to it back in – I think the first one was 2002 when we seen the Elite. It was over the World Youth Championships. And we were over in Thailand, and there was two players, one from Australia and one from Finland. And I believe they were 17 years old at the time, both of them. And that was mm-hmm. our first real exposure to elite two-handers. And it was mm-hmm. pretty obvious at that time that, you know, the future was being written. And it is a very great, efficient style. And if you look at even the numbers now at junior gold, that how many two-handers are coming up through the youth program, the growth is phenomenal. And, you know, the coaches that need to be teaching it, uh, hopefully we we're getting them out into the field. It's, it's not that much different than one-handed. A lot of this stuff is still basically the same, but there's a few things that they are able to do. The two-handers with the upper body lack of rotation that a one-hander has that, you know, they're not putting their backs in such a position like a lot of one-handers or their shoulders will. How are you able to keep everyone focused really on that one goal ultimately when they're when they're down with you working or when, when they go overseas and bowl and, and they're representing the United States? Uh, in the early days when we brought the pros back in, I think that was like 2006, 2007. It was kind of it was kind of interesting at the training camps back then because a lot of them didn't want to share their tricks. You know, they're little mm. secrets. And so it was a lot of, you know, individualism, uh, a lot of people doing the one-on-one. And it took a while before they realized that, you know, their trick was their trick. And the more your teammates knew that you could do these little things on different situations, the better the team got. And that quickly went away after about a year, maybe two years. But now with the players that we have on there and the continuation, like having Tommy Jones and Chris Barnes for so many years, really mentoring the team helps tremendously. But it's one country, and it's amazing having them both for the country, all the personal. I mean, they could be bowling against each other the week before. They'll be bowling against each other the week after that. But they're still Team USA. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're Team USA on, on, the, on the bowling field or in competition and off. So, uh, the friendships they have is just tremendous. They they stay in touch with each other and help each other, and they help each other get better because everyone does everything a little different, but knowing the things that one player can do to help get a better reaction helps the team. Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, Chris and Tommy um, in, the, you know, the last world championships there. I'm sure they both wanted to go out of the tournament with a gold and kind of cinch up their, their resumes and careers on Team USA with a goal. How tough of a loss was that for them to lose that, that final match there? I don't know if you could call it a tough loss. I mean, uh, disappointing, of course. Uh, we, we ended up being the number one qualifier going in, and we mm. were bowling against the number four seed. But it's, you know, you're, you're looking at basically best two out of three on Baker. And, you know, that's always tough. And that TV pair that they were bowling on each match, it definitely got a little squirrelier and tighter. And I don't know if you watched the match, but, you know, it was fresh oil. And by the mm-hmm. first game, you know, most of the players are sliding 18 to 22. And before, and it's Baker, mind you. And by the end of the second game of Baker, everyone's sliding about 38 to 44. So, yeah. you know, the transition was extremely, extremely quick. 
and it was one or two hits either way it could have made a huge difference uh Mm-hmm. Uh, Tommy stepped up in the tenth, and you know if he doubles into that thing, we we lock up the match. So, um, granted, they're probably definitely disappointed, but they were there and they've been in that match several times before. And th- of course, we always want to win all of them, but uh, they didn't lose. We just got beat, but we didn't lose. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what advice? We have a lot of a lot of high school players. They're trying to pick pick their college they want to bowl to and, and bowl collegiately, and then ultimately their goal is to make Team USA. What advice do you have for them if they're listening to the show? Well, yeah. Uh, I'm sure they hear this a lot from all the coaches, but you, you've got to be a very good spare. Pick your spares. Uh, you know, there's one thing that drives college coaches nuts or even Team USA coaches nuts is that uh, they're very pickable and they, they just get flagged. Uh, you know, become the best spare shooter in the area and just really work on your spare shooting. Uh, we'd like to see them maybe come through if they're thinking about, you know, the Team USA, the Boulder Team Trials in January, probably one of the premier tournaments that uh, college, high school, college, and players could compete in. It's uh, five different patterns on five days, and you're bowling with, you know, your peers at elite level. Uh, that's a really good testing ground to be able to see how you compete. Um, possibly, you know, if you're not coming to the bowling combine as sponsor, kind of look what the bowling combine does and, you know, work on your skill sets. It, uh, I think looking now on our women's team coming in there, our, our women's team now are very versatile on ball speed and hand action that they can adjust. And 10 years ago, probably not so much. Um, we're seeing it now into the younger players that were sitting on junior team USA that can have plus or minus four miles an hour and ball speed change that can go from 70 degrees axis rotation down to 35, be able to control it. So that's what I would say suggest is, you know, get good at your spares and start working on your versatility. I think too many players try to make their game perfect and just their one game perfect instead of working on the versatility. When, when you see a, a player miss a spare at the elite level, like the players you're dealing with, what is uh, what are a, a few key uh, components that make them miss? When I mean, you probably you're so good with your eyes, you guys don't have to go back and video and look at it. But is there something that you see a common trait you see when a uh, an elite player misses a, a, a spare? Oh yeah, they're 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 not in the moment. They're not there. They're mm-hmm. you know they're either thinking it they're not, they're just not focused. It's at the elite level and stuff like that. It's just a lack of focus. It just, they were, you know, they've done um, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of 10 pins and you get into an automatic mode and you're just not completely committed to the shot. Uh, you know, rarely is it something physical, you know, it's, it's, it's more mental. All right. Well, well, great stuff, coach. I appreciate it, Rod, for your, your time as a, uh, as a former, you know, Team USA member myself, I definitely get excited when there's Team USA events coming up. I know we've got the women's worlds be coming up here shortly and i want to wish you the best of luck and uh, thanks for joining us today okay well, it was great to have that you guys invited me thanks a lot 